sitting outside a movie theater in 1980. There's two dudes sitting there sporting haircuts that could only be pulled off in the year 1980, munching on uh, some pieces of pizza. I think this is going to be as big as Star Wars. Bigger! Yeah, bigger! 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 And yet a lot of the critics are panning it. Well, what do they know? Fast forward to 1983 on ABC News. Even before this final chapter is in theaters, the question of the rest of the saga is being raised. There are six more Star Wars chapters in outline form. What about those early colonial wars? Or perhaps future Jedi babies with Luke as the elder statesman Obi-Wan is today? The fans say yes. I'd like to see more Star Wars movies because, well, I just like all the stories. You're listening to the Star Wars Report. Never tell me the odds. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. The Rise of Skywalker is out. We've seen it. We've reacted to it. We've thought about it. Thought about it some more. And now we're here to talk all about the most recent Star Wars film. That's all we're talking about in this episode and the next several episodes. So welcome. Uh, Glad you're along for the ride here with the Star Wars Report podcast. Um, Hey, there's a lot of... We we live in the age of the the internet opinion and the Twitter sphere and the... All of the film critics, and then all of the people who think they're film critics. And that is, it is that age and era of Star Wars fandom. But we're here to uh, capture, well, at least in my case, what I, so many of my fondest memories, which is just talking about that new Star Wars thing with my Star Wars friends. And so that's what we're doing here on the Star Wars Report podcast. Let's bring him in. It's the producer of the Fine Program, co host for us today. It's Mr. Bruce Gibson. What's up, Bruce? Oh, oh, and we lost him. Uh, well, well, there, yeah, he is, there, he is, there he is. There he is. Hey, I saw a Star Wars movie this week. You saw a Star Wars movie this week. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. We saw a Star Wars movie last week. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> I saw. We had a I've good... seen Star Wars movies all week. <laughs> You've actually seen it the most times of any of us. But hey, he's fresh off of his first viewing. It's uh, co-host extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Herlman. Welcome back, sir. Hey guys, it's good to be back, man. Uh, I have been rough lunged going with pneumonia some head <laughs> sinus infection ear stuff so i've been out and down for the count but i was able to hear when i got to sit into the rise of the skywalker and i made it through the film i'm still alive i'm here to tell the tale he is i don't I, we're gonna find out how much mark's really crappy week <laughs> affected his viewing experience and opinion um on the rise of skywalker but no we did we came off of our um bruce and i uh we were able we were lucky enough to do the atlanta press screening last week and what you heard on the last episode which if you haven't make sure you go check it out um it was our just initial right out of the theater reaction hadn't seen anything else nobody else's opinions or reviews nothing else had come out so far uh yet here we are and so uh for today's episode uh we're gonna touch base with you mark get your overall impressions a lot of you guys who've been emailing us we're gonna do uh, some feedback and emails at the end of the show but also really the main topic is gonna be today exploring Ray's journey throughout the Rise of Skywalker. But let's just kick it off with you, Mr. Mark Harleman. Uh, welcome back. It's been a oh, month. It's, good to be it, back. it's my uh, my long month of anticipation. We've had everybody on for Star Wars tonight. All the spin-off shows going multiple times a week. So you it's been a hot second since we've been able to have you on. 
But uh, now that you've seen the film your first time, uh, just give me your your overall reaction. The Skywalker saga is complete. It, it is complete. That is true. Now, before I go into this, I want to share a post I made today, and I think it's relevant to our fandom. Okay. So I said, remember, Star Wars fans, your reaction to someone's opinion can add to the toxicity of this fandom, even when you think their opinion is the problem. You can add to the neg- negativity just as easily as being dismissive, snide, or just plain hateful. We're all in this together, like it or not. Mm, yeah. Now... Like I was telling you in our, our rogue transmissions, so if you want to hear about that, you need to be a patron sponsor of the show. Uh, I walked out of the film with my wife, and one of the first things I had said is, I still have to watch this two more times with my son and my dad. Yeah. And I don't mm. know if that's a good thing. I, mm. I wasn't ready. I was not ready to do a second viewing after I watched it the first time. Yeah. And that's not to say I hated it. I didn't hate it. It was it a lot. It just did not sit well with me. There were a lot of things that bothered me throughout the film. Visually, nothing. Everything visually was awesome. Spectacular. The soundtrack, the, the just all the, the effects, it was awesome, on point. But right out the get-go, with that opening crawl, <laughs> was mentioning Sidious, Sidious is alive, or Palpatine's alive, and his message has been out. I wanted, to, I wanted to hear that message. There were so many things that I was like, wait, wh- where is this? It's not, it's, not in the, it's not in the movie. Like So things like that right out the gate put me off. I, I don't want to say on edge because I mean I was excited, but like my wife said, she's like you weren't as excited as you were for other movies. I was really nervous going into this one, you know, yeah. because the Last Jedi. I came away from that one when I watched. I liked it, and then I watched it again and again and again. About about the third time I watched it, I was starting to really see things in it that I didn't like. And then as I got to my fifth, sixth, seventh one, I'm like, oh man, there are some issues I have with this. And I finally dialed in. I really didn't like what they did with Luke, uh, you know. So. I had that issue and I was really, I think I was putting too much hope on this film, making up for a lot of that, making The Last Jedi feel like it was a better movie. And it might, it may have. I still, I'm still processing. There were so many plates at the dinner table that J.J. Abrams brought yes. that I am still digesting. Well, I, that's I don't know if problem, I've got, right? right? You have unease because there's so much there and you don't know if you have all the answers because, yeah, there's just, you're processing all that information. Right. And, and like, so I've been watching videos of people that, are, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like, the plot holes that they had and stuff like that. Like the message itself, I found out you can view the message if you were playing Fortnite. I guess the message was broadcast in that game. And I'm like, I had to play Fortnite to find that message. Like, I just wish they would have played like a playback of at one point that message. Um, I read the Resistance Reborn to lead up to the movie, thinking like it was going to be really close to it. Apparently, Resistance Reborn is almost a year later. So, you know, that explains certain things like all of a sudden the fleet showing up. Because I had an issue with that, with all of a sudden everybody in the dog, right when they needed it most, when they wouldn't show up when Leia needed them the most on crate. Now that Luke and Leia are both <laughs> dead, hey, everybody's going to show up when there's thousands of Star Destroyers. Death Star lasers. Now everybody's going to come and help. It felt a really convenient. There were a yeah. lot of things that did feel convenient, but there were a lot of really cool things too. Like that moment when when Ray reaches behind her head with the lightsaber, ah, and all yeah. of a sudden Kylo has it, and he's not Kylo anymore. He's straight Ben Solo. And oh my God, Ben Solo's arc and Ray's arc are definitely some of the best yes. things about this film. The most redeeming things for myself. That's actually in this film. That's why we we've kind of broke it down. Where we're going to talk about Ray's journey uh, in a little bit here, but those are the central like as I pull out because a lot of the plot elements are rushed in a way. But I think the mm-hmm. strongest storylines, Ray's story, Ben's redemption, um, those are the the strongest elements of the of the story. But you're right there. I even remember like in the first reading, there was a lot. If you listen back to our first reaction, there's a lot of 
a lot of stuff, you know. Hey, at right. least at least though you weren't in Vancouver. <laughs> What happened in Vancouver? I I threw in this article just to briefly. There's a screaming fight that broke out last night in Vancouver at a screening of Rise of Skywalker, where someone, some dude, was like, was was heard screaming in this video. I'm a real Star Wars fan. I've waited a GD year for this movie, and some a holes turned on his phone. And so Uh, yeah, there's a phone fight. It was kind of funny. Oh um, my gosh, anyway, that's great. There's, there's that. You know, uh, but, so, so like in ways, this felt almost like it could have been a second film. Like I, I felt like mm, you're not with the first the whole person. Angle, I was just like, man, they should have brought this up two movies ago or even three movies ago. Like, yeah, that I think that was the hardest thing. Like I'm okay with Palpatine being alive. I mean, that was that was a story arc in Legends that worked for me. Um, but I just felt like a lot of those type of deliveries felt rushed. Um, sure. And 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 the other thing I kept thinking of. And, and I think it really came from watching Leia give Ray the lightsaber, then Ray give Leia the lightsaber back, then Leia give the lightsaber back again. I'm like, well, here's clearly that one scene that they filmed 15 different angles and they used it. I kept wanting to know what would the film have been had Carrie Fisher not passed away. And I've been saying that from the start, the second she passed away, is like, what were they going to do? How badass would a Leia been? And when we got to see Leia training with mm. Luke on whatever planet it was, I'm assuming you haven't for just because I want to. But that was, that was, oh God, that got me. I was, mm. I was that tore me up um but the whole aspect of her dying like and i found that out last night that apparently she unlocked the dark side from ben and that was what killed her i I didn't catch that in the film so there were a lot of things that i'm seeing other people caught that i missed so like i said i gotta go back and digest it there was just way too much visually stimulation going on that i think it was very easy to get distracted there were characters that there was a boston there was a boston in this and i didn't catch it gosh i'm like dang it. what a bot right so now i'm like i'm i'm waiting i'm going back and i'm Wait, like where was the boston I at the end in the celebration that's what people were yeah. saying yeah during the celebrations so thank like, god mother trucker it's about oh, time god. well it's right? so yeah and so there we go mark Harlemon reacts uh it's a lot the world's reacted as well by the way um we're sitting at um I mean, for what it's worth, right? Uh, 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. Very mixed. Not the worst. The Phantom Menace is... Well, actually, technically, the Clone Wars movie is the worst reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. Want to take a guess at what that is, Bruce? What, the Clone Wars on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, Clone Wars movie. Uh, I'll say 46. 18%. (laughs) Oh wow! <laughs> so it's not that, but it is. So, but I would put it squarely in the the mixed review category as people are breaking down this film. It's really interesting that it doesn't. It's not just. A, I we all know that the that that fandom or at least internet fandom would be divided because that's just the thing now. But it is interesting to sort of see the critical world divided. I've seen some pretty thoughtful pieces that really liked it and really didn't like it. I've seen some really some narratives that develop as far as common criticisms that we've seen. And we'll talk about them in more detail. Uh, the other quick update I want to do at the top of the show is box office. So there uh, looks like they're on track for a just short of 200 million for the opening weekend as we're recording this on Sunday, which puts it right behind last Jedi, which was right behind force awakens. Um, so it'll probably be a similar it, because there's not a lot of competition this December, uh, um, the analysis as far as box office success, it puts it in a similar place as The Last Jedi. Oh, there's competition with Cats. Oh. Cats came out. <laughs> sure. What? sure. I think that has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes, too. <laughs> You're listening to the Star Wars Report. Why you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. Uh, 
shout out to our sponsor for this week's episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. It's Fan Dummies. Fan Dummies is the podcast that airs twice weekly, every Monday and Thursday. It's TV shows, movies, comic books, and much more. Hey, if you're a superhero fan, check out their crash course on Supergirl and the Flash comics. And subscribe because they've got an upcoming series on the Crisis on Infinite Earth. Uh, if you're a fantasy fan, you can check out their uh, content on the Dark Crystal or Carnival Row. Sci-fi fans, of course, Star Trek and Stargate series, they've got one coming up. And specifically, they're preparing for the new Picard series that they're going to be breaking down. And of course, Star Wars fans, you guys listening here to the Star Wars Report, check out Fan Dummies for all of the latest and greatest on The Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker right now. It's available at fandummies.com, fandummies.com. And we do appreciate the Fan Dummies podcast for, for uh, supporting us over here at the Star Wars Report. quick question for you guys so you guys got to go see it at a press screening what what was the before theater experience when you went there i mean did it feel like a bunch of star wars fans or just a bunch of local people just got together i mean how was that for you guys because i was seeing a lot of people posting they got to go see the big premiere on the red carpet with all the fans and you know they were like oh there's some there's some minor things but everybody should go oh best thing ever and i was immediately going you know like no matter what you thought this movie was if you were at that red carpet you're going to come away sure. because yeah. you were at an experience that no one else is going to be at whereas the theater i was at i got to go to an early one because we went to like a, it was a grants pass heating and air my wife won a, a a contest a little you know who's this character and she's like bosk and she won so you know we were there with some people that not, i wouldn't say all of them were star wars fans like in the entrenched atmosphere but just more casual fans so like the theater where I was at was really subdued. There was no cheers at the opening crawl or any of those things. Oh, Whereas, yeah, yeah. You know, when I went with the comic store, it was like, whoa! And that experience, I think, also <laughs> really shaped kind of how I took things in as well. Because, you know, mm. when you're with people, like yeah. when we were at Celebration, it was that bastion, that pilgrimage of things. Like, I got to get back to Celebration. I need that recharge of my fandom battery. Because you know, where I'm at, there's just not as many passionate fans. You know? well, and there's I a lot of casual dismissal of things. Let's also not discredit that that's a good thing. Like, I think it's good to surround yourself with, like, big Star Wars nerds who want to go opening night Absolutely. and cheer at the opening call. That's not, like, that doesn't Absolutely. color your opinion. Um, no, I, that's but, why I want to know where you guys were at. Because so, I think I think for fans out there that had a problem with it, I think that is part of your problem is that you need to be going with more people. I went with just my wife, and I really I thought about that last night. I was reading The Galaxy Needs You with my daughter Jaina, and I was looking at how excited she was about this book about Ray and about how your individual and mm. every single person's individual. And I was like, I got to go back and watch this movie with her. I want to see her react to it, which reminds me of my first Christmas with my earliest child, Taylor. You know, watching her open presents for the first time in my life, I didn't give a crap if I yeah. got a present or not. It was so cool to watch her open those gifts and i had a conversation with one of my friends who i would have thought probably wouldn't have liked the movie and he absolutely loved it and he was like man i'm sorry you're having this this problem but my kids loved it yeah and I, I, I think true. That, that is something that if you're having a problem with it go back and watch it with people that dig star wars with you and mm, go and watch it with you so were you true. guys did you guys have that experience uh, I think so. Bruce, how would you describe it? I mean, there was there were some like ill-timed laughter. There's obviously a bunch of pretty skeptical nerd types that go to a Star Wars press screening that they're I mean, they're probably like us. They have blogs and stuff like that. So there was there was one moment of derisive laughter. We talked about it in the reaction show at uh, Ben's death at how quick it was and there's like ill-timed laughter a few times, but there's also generally like gasps and reactions and also most i was there with bruce and then also uh my fiance savannah she was there and you you talk about the difference of a star wars viewing experience um savannah loves the new star wars trilogy 
uh, particularly it's become her favorite. And so I'm kind of sharing that through her eyes now. And she's uh, really, and she was having a great time uh, really getting, because she doesn't really get into movies. This is like the first time we were going to an early screening. It felt important. You know, we were driving, uh, staying over with my family the night before, meeting up with Bruce. You know, it, it's a big, exciting event. So, like, for her, she was getting hyped up and super sucked into a movie the way I'm used to it. Like, I, that's what how I go in to see a Marvel or Star Wars movie. Uh, right. She just goes, yeah, it's fun, you know. Um, so that really probably colored my experience, too. What about you, Bruce? You know, that's an interesting question because I've been sitting here thinking about past experiences. So when I went to see The Force Awakens, it was uh, it was the opening night and there was a bunch of fans there. And I remember just the energy and the hooping and hollering that was going on throughout the whole film. And I'm not going to go through each of the new films, but I've always felt that there was an energy. I've went. This is my third press screen. The first was Last Jedi Solo. And now this one, this was the most calm. Oh yeah. And I think I've heard the audience at a press screening. Second, I didn't recognize anybody there that I knew. Where past ones I saw people that I knew, which was uh, really odd. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I'm used to seeing other local Star Wars like, fans and none of them were there. If they were there, I didn't see them. I yeah. don't know. Right. I, I looked, but I didn't see them. I then okay, so that was the first night. I went to the first time I went to a quote fan event at AMC Theaters, and that audience was dead. I really? mean, because I heard the reactions during the press screening, but now I'm at the fan event, five o'clock Thursday night, and I'm expecting this audience is going to be rowdy. It was so calm. I was listening for the laughter and the gasps and things like that that I heard in the press screening, and I didn't hear a, a, a peep huh. out of anyone. Yeah. The third screening I went to was Saturday, just a regular screening. There was a little more reaction than the fan event. Uh yeah. And then there was like two people that clapped at the end on the Saturday showing. No one clapped at the end at the fan event. And there were some people that clapped at the press screening. So really odd combination because you would think the fan event would be the biggest energy. Mm. Yeah. And it was mm. the lowest. Maybe because they were freaking out like you, Mark. I don't know what to do. And I'm processing right. and I'm thinking too much. <laughs> right. Yeah. Man, it, there were there were just so many really fun moments. Like, like when the moment when Ray did that reach out to pull Chewie back and the light, the Sith lightning went up and struck it. Dude, uh. when I thought Chewie died, that was so, and, and then, and then to turn around and be like, he's okay. I, I almost cheapened it for me. Cause I really, They're toying I with really you. liked what it did for Ray to know that she just killed Chewbacca. Like the level of, you don't screw around with the force. You mm. do not screw around with the force. Even just a little bit of anger. You know, because she's doing that tug of war with Kylo again. All It's the lightsaber all over again. And then she gets angry. And in that one second, Chewie's gone. See, and that's my biggest problem. So after I came out of the movie, you can hear my reactions, of course, on the previous episode. But I really liked the movie. The next day, I woke up and I said, something's bothering me. And it's those kind of things. Again, now, I have since seen it again two more times. And I really do love the movie. But, you know, every time I see a movie, there's certain things I don't like or whatever. But right. I did feel like there were things like that where I thought, okay, this is bold. Chewie's been killed. Oh, wow. That I mean, I hate that, but that's mm -hmm. bold. And then, oh, wait, no, he's not. And even when my daughters saw it on Saturday, they both said to me about how, oh, it's so funny. Every time you think someone's dead, they're not. They keep coming back. You know, they said like, you know, like Kylo, there were several times that they thought he was dead. And oh, wait, there he is again. Oh, he's climbing it out of the hole, you know, or whatever. Yeah, and right. those are the kind of things that bother me there. I feel like, 
you know, J.J. Abrams is like, well, you know, we want to make sure everybody's happy. It so is. We don't really want to shoot, uh, kill Chewbacca. It's like you said, Mark, you made the, the word convenient. There's so mm. many things that are just kind of too convenient. And I, I'd like it to be just a little more bold and just go there. And sometimes I felt like it was catering a little too much. But I still love it. Don't take me wrong. Yeah. My wife immediately thought I hated it. And like I told her, I said, you know, one thing that I've always said is every Star Wars work, book, comic, film, TV show Mm. is going to have its good and its bads. And yeah, right now I might be focusing on the bad stuff, but there was a lot of good here. And one thing that really worried me right out the gate is like, I, I mean, I almost came to tears. I'm like... Right now, I'm in such a bad way with this film that I'm afraid that I'm going to get lambasted because I didn't like it. And like, there's so many drawn up lines right out the gate where if you either you liked it or you didn't, and you're just you're either part of the problem or you need to get on board. And you know, it's I think that those mentalities are really what's created such a wedge in our fandom. You know, if people stop and realize, you know, there are moments of every one of the trilogies that have been good and bad. You know, and like I told my wife, it's it's not the end of the world for me just because now in canon, the post-Return of the Jedi era isn't my favorite. You know, yeah, it was my favorite in Legends, but dude, they're not taking Rebels from me. They're not taking the Clone Wars from me. These yeah. things still happen. I can go back and rewatch those and I can live in those eras and I could, you know, mine the hell out of those eras. But again, I loved what they did with Kylo's character. I mean, I, I hated the fact that he died. That that crushed me. I really, I think like he was like my out. Like I really wanted to see him and Ray together. And the kiss for me was a great moment. But then for him to pass away, I was oh, like, oh. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was so, so funny fun. you say that because we're gonna talk about that because uh, oh, it's uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, not a fan. What are we gonna talk about, Riley? What are All we right, talking? So let's about? talk. Uh, so let's yeah, get into yeah. so the, it's a lot of broad brreststrokes, but let's actually dig into Ray. Journey. That's really the the main uh, topic. Hold on. I'm putting my miner's hat on. All right, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> well, it's because the that's the, while this is the end of the Skywalker saga, it is also. But is it? But really, is it? I mean, yeah. like, like the family's <laughs> dead, not. but there's a Skywalker still alive. Like I, I really don't and necessarily. Kennedy said that on the blue carpet. They asked her. They said, "Well, this is the end of the Skywalker." Well. Well, it may not necessarily be the end of Skywalker, but yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> something like that. It is, yeah, it is a fitting conclusion for for Ray's journey. It right. does. There's a sense of completion A to B, and 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 let's start off where we meet Ray, and then we have the uh, at time. This might be a struggle for you, Mark, knowing you, where we have this time gap we don't know what's happened but i i personally like that we come to see a ray fulfilling a more advanced jedi training being trained by none other than leia uh bruce talk me through where your head was at when we kind of meet ray for the first time in this film it's obviously that she's it's obvious that she's come at least a ways since the last jedi yeah i mean we see more force abilities and her being trained by leia which i thought was really cool yeah. I think the thing that stood out to me is it's that thing that everyone says like, oh, Ray seems to get her skills and her talents so much quicker than we've seen the others and even Luke. Because we never saw Luke do some of the things that she has done. But I yeah. always go back to The Force Awakens. When we see her, she's not using Force abilities at the beginning. She's a scavenger mm-hmm. that's had to fight her on her own on her life. Luke grew up on a farm dealing with moisture evaporators. Ray's been out there kicking butt without using the force. Right. And now, of course, if she has this force ability with those training skills, we should see what we saw a year later now 
at the beginning of this movie, seeing those skills. And I mean, I thought it was awesome, especially when she's fighting the little, you know, what, I don't remember what it's called, the little ball remote. That yeah, she's training the, droid. Yeah. yeah. The training droid. I love it how she kind of fakes it out with the lightsaber and takes a stick to kill it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like she's thinking outside the box. Love it. I mean, yeah. she's the ultimate Jedi. <gasps> did I just say that? Wow. You did. Wow. I see. I'm with you on that. The whole calling Leia master. I love I, I say the only issue I had with that had nothing to do with the film. It was more resistance report. Right. In that story. Ray's character is just a bodyguard. They regularly get, they break her down to just being a bodyguard. She's there to protect Leia. And what they should have done was, I'm staying with Leia because Leia's training me. That would have been brilliant. It would have been a great lead up to this. Like I thought if that was the author knew. She, said that. she yeah. was underused in that book. Sure. Yes, very underused. And like, and they could have made this a seed for that. There mm. was also a moment where Poe is talking to uh, Zori, uh, and he's talking about how the Resistance turned their back on him on Kray, or I mean, the, the galaxy turned their back on him. And I'm like, dude, you just found out in Resistance Reborn that the First Order is capturing all sympathizers. Great time to drop that line in. Well, you know, no one's there, because that was my issue with when the Rebel fleet shows up. I'm like, nobody came and cared before. Why are they caring now? But if you would establish that the first order was capturing people and that was why no one came before like that would have worked better ray training though i think that was probably one of the most brilliant uses and i think it functions and serves leia's character the most in the outside universe so again like i wish they would have seeded that more in the resistance reborn like because i wasn't watching the films to go back into it i was desperately trying to finish that book i got finished with that book 10 minutes before we walked into the theater so like i was like hot off the heels and then find out it was a year later and that the book the only thing that that book i feel like served this film is that we know where that yt or i mean where the corvette came from which as the guide tells us is the tantive four i'm like so the guide tells you all sorts of stuff that you didn't know about. And I feel like the, like that's always been like a curse to a lot of the Star Wars films. It's like, well, why do we have to get a guidebook to find out stuff that should be in the movie? So like, well, I'm not necessarily making that complaint, but it is it is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. A lot of certain big things that should have probably been mentioned in some form or fashion got kind of flossed over. Yeah, but, but it'd be too much. It's not only the hardcore fans that want all that detail. If you made a, a movie about Abraham Lincoln's life, all the details wouldn't be there. You right. pull out a book about Abraham Lincoln and go, oh, that's where he got that log cabin he lived in. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good – well, and that's a good thing because we, we – while Ray's training is brief, it does do a lot to sort of establish her relationship with Leia very quickly because that becomes a very important part of the film um, for Ray's story. Mm-hmm. And as I uh, – because I've talked about this, um, this film really does, uh, I think, do a good job of – connecting Leia to Rey and that was a very yeah. I think that was a very important part of the passing of the batons plural to quite literally two lightsabers two skywalkers uh, passed on to Rey by the end of the film and so what this scene does when she says yes master and you know uh, with the with scene. the with um it, it does give that direct connection right at the top of the movie to Leia which which sets that stage so that when she goes off on the adventure like the Sith wayfinder like oh well I guess it's quite it's another it's MacGuffin it's very in fact very Indiana Jones esque where mm-hmm. um, Ray Poe Finn Chewbacca BB-8 the whole gang is brought together and Ray becomes this sort of adventure and and she's obviously been out like the resistance needs her but she's been training with Leia like that that's made a another significant point is that they need her but right now she's focused on her her Jedi training but she's finally with the uh, advent of the 
the Sith text and the Wayfinder and the going off on the adventure, um, they head off to the, what was the name of the desert planet? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, they, it's... <laughs> What, where the celebration was going on? Yeah, or, yeah. No. Yeah. It's, I, I know. It's, I was, you'd asked me last night at 2 in the morning, I'd have been silly. <laughs> no. you know, so, so, Bruce, you had mentioned something that I think a lot of people have always had an issue with, with Ray coming so naturally to a lot of skills, right? And if you're watching The Mandalorian, there's a character in there that we're watching who's, you know, yeah, the character's 50 years old, but in the lifespan of the species, he's still, you know, a child. And that character is coming to a lot of abilities really natural. Think about with Yoda, though, with Luke, you know, and, and Anakin. Too old, too old. Too many things have been influenced on this. So maybe Force users came with a natural ability to have a lot of skills at a young age because there isn't so much of the world interfering with their connection to the Force. Because Ray, all the time, she's like, you know, speak to me, speak to me. I want to, you know, I, I need you here. Be with me. You know, she's desperately trying to establish that connection that she hasn't subconsciously figured out is just mm. there. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, as a child, the, the, you know, truly wonderful the mind of a child is because there isn't so much crap in the way. You know, it just, it's, it's just there. If you need to heal something, I'm reaching, I'm healing it. I'm not, there's nothing to get in the way because I don't know of these limitations yet. You know, whereas most people growing up, especially for Luke, right? All he's got his whole life, there's limitations placed on Luke over and over and over again. Ray, not so much. The biggest limitation in Ray's life is she's limited to get off that planet and get to her family, right? Everything else she's doing on her own. She's surviving on her own. So there's a lot of force skills that she could be inadvertently learning along the way because she never really had that life filter of you can't do this, kid. You know, I mean, mm. the only person there that I feel like was really telling her she can't do anything is Unkar Plunk. But I kind of got the feeling like Unkar Plunk didn't really give a rat's rump about her as long as she was out in the desert doing her own thing. Yeah. She had a lot of time in the desert to meditate. She was <laughs> by herself. She's being, you know, beaten up on people who are trying to attack her. I mean, mm -hmm. she just has a different. If you look at these characters, her path is so different from Luke's to yeah, this yeah. point. As much know? as people talk about how they're similar, they're really not in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Well, and I think, and especially her, her, her yearning for her family. Uh, comes into play here because again, right in this first act opening scene, they set up oh Palpatine's back, and not only that, that he's assembling the this this final order, this this thing, and they're bringing Palpatine into it, unbeknownst to us at this point as the audience, of what Ray's lineage is going to be. But their adventure to go find him is why they end up on the planet, uh, on the yes. party planet, as I say, the party planet. As, hey, real quick though, because you're saying about family, I just want to say. The interesting things about Luke and, and Ray is Luke at this age was leaving family mm. where Ray was in search of family. Yeah, again, true. two different aspects yeah. of how they're going through life. Yeah. See, in the final order, I think that was one of the things about Palpatine that didn't sit well with me. Because Palpatine, the whole Clone Wars, everything was this brilliant strategy. Everything was organized to bring down the Jedi, right? Then you've got Chuck Wendig's Aftermath books, which establishes, you know, we, we've got this whole Operation Cinder. We've got the, the plan to take the First Order. We're going to have all these people go outside the galaxy, regroup, and come back. And yet... Even though he's got that going on with his right hand, on his left hand, he's doing the exact same thing as another backup, a final order. And I was just like, that that didn't make sense to me as to why. And I'm, I'm hoping down the road we're going to have some books that explain it. But I feel like dropping Palpatine in in the third film of the trilogy 
just left so many questions. Like maybe they could have hinted about the fact that there was somebody pulling Snoke's strings or Snoke was working with someone or Snoke was actually the number two of someone, but he ousted that guy. And so he could, took control. Cause we were always wondering how Snoke got the first order from Ray Sloan in the first place, because she was the last person we saw flying off into the distance with the first order group. And then all of a sudden here's Snoke, which, and I love the fact that when we saw Kylo showing up to confront Palpatine, you see the little chamber with the like three different Snoke heads. You're like, oh, Snoke's a clone. What the hell? And then yeah. he's like, I made see, him. And you're like, woo. Those are the things, though, I thought about later that I really liked because there were so many unanswered questions in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi that we as an audience are like, what is going on? How is Snoke here? Where is Snoke from? Like all these yeah. questions that you're asking. How is Ray here? Why is this? And why did why is Luke acting the way he is? How did Kylo get to the dark side? Like what influence it? Where are all these things? And then we get to the third film and it's like, aha, he Palpatine's behind all of this. He's been pulling our strings too. Well, he is mm-hmm. the Phantom Menace he, of this trilogy. The fan, exactly. He is the right. voice inside Kylo's head. He is yeah. Snoke. He made Snoke, and therefore he is he the one responsible. Ben. He's the one responsible for turning Ben to the dark side, connecting yeah. Ben to Palpatine. Like that voice, the the voice of Vader inside his head, grandfather. You know, that's Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna have to dig a lot more into that when we talk about Ben. Right, but I have to but ask about Ray because two Ray... deaths that I would have swapped. Right, because I, I said I, I don't know if I said it in this episode or in our Patreon exclusive. I was not a fan of Snap dying like that. Oh, you were bummed I, out, yeah. <laughs> I, that that really, I mean, that tore me the hell up. I was not, I was not happy about that. And uh, Kyle Loren, when Ben Solo died, those two characters, <laughs> I would have swapped. Kill Chewie, leave three PO being mind wiped. Those two wow. would have been more impactful wow. to me if that would have been permanent. Just... And I'd have been more happy that the other two would have lived. Like I, I would, I would have taken that swap <laughs> in a heartbeat. Or kill Wedge. Bring... <laughs> Or no, kill no, Wedge. Kill yeah, or Just Wedge right after the there. cameo, poor yeah, Dennis yeah. lost. No, no, all right, right. Bring in a hole. So Palpatine, but he is that puppet master, which again connects us directly to uh, the reveal, which we talked about briefly. But let's let's just dig in. Ray Palpatine. Yes. Yeah, uh, Kylo Wynn is the one who is like, yes, yeah, so they were they were trying to be nobody. They were attempting to be nobody, but we find out that in fact her parents were descended from Palpatine. Yes. Well, her dad. We don't know where mom yeah. came. From. We don't know where mom came from. No, but we, we could have been the extra kid that Shmi had with Cleek. <laughs> but in a very, and I kind of glossed over this in my first viewing, in a very sort of biblical tale of like the Christmas story of like hunting down the firstborn kind of thing. You have this uh, Sith assassin. Uh, that is on the party planet, as I've dubbed it since it's left my brain. <laughs> but uh, that that camped out there, that was going after her parents using the Sith dagger that they find there. Um, yeah, I didn't like the Sith dagger that because that was supposed to be ancient, and yet it lined up with the Death Star crash. I was like, okay, that's a little too convenient. There was a lot of convenience at sometimes. But but the point being though, that dagger is what connected to her parents. As much as it's like kind of yeah, MacGuffin and plot device, it also connects her to Palpatine's because it's the very weapon that was used to murder her parents. Um, and, and it's, it's in that moment that it's revealed where Kylo Ren, uh, tells her the truth. Uh, but although he kind of really did you believe him, <sighs> I believed him, but did you? Yeah. And he said that like, like in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I because believe... you know, when he says, oh yeah, you're, you're, you're the granddaughter of Palpatine or whatever. And you know, I, I believed it. But yeah. then yet when I saw Empire Strikes Back the first time, I didn't believe when 
Vader said, "Yeah, I am your father." I was like, "Right, really?" It, it's tough because like, like there's certain things even in the Clone Wars. I'm like, "I'll make lies. I don't care what you say." Fett's, Fett was a Mandalorian. Well, and we so, but and what the, this also provides in the context of Ray Ray's character that I didn't think about when I first saw it. I was like, "What?" But then I realized that there's no answer to Ray's parentage that isn't going to end with Riley Blanton going, "What?" Right. It's just like there's what there's no easy out there no there really wasn't I, there was a lot of really nice touches though to elements that came from legends uh like when sidious is talking about transferring his essence into ray you know that's the same thing that he wanted to do with ben solo or uh, ben anakin solo um but what i thought was interesting was how he talks about how all the sith were living in him which made me immediately think like you know when legends put the darth bane novels out and when the trilogy ends and bane ends up transferring his essence into zahana and you're just like is it Zahana in there or is it Bane? You didn't know. Like everybody was like, which who's in the body? It almost makes you feel like the entire order from Bane on that Bane figured out that I can take and do an order of two. And when my apprentice is ready, I'll let him strike me down and then I'll take over his body. Mm. And that every Sith since Bane has been doing that. But except for instead of it being Bane, it's now Bane and his apprentice. And now Bane, his apprentice, and the other one. And Bane, his apprentice, and the other one. So if Sidious would have took over Ray, you would have had a dark Ray, and every Sith that was ever there before him all personified in him. And I was like, now that is a very dangerous order. Mm. <laughs> because yeah. that Palpatine knew how to do the Metachlorians, which would have made more sense about his body. Good. But like I was telling you, Riley, in, in the 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 uh, rogue transmissions. The issue I had with the Death Star exploding in Return of the Jedi is you didn't see big chunks of the ship flying off. So when we're walking through it and you're seeing the stormtrooper armor sitting mm. there all still kind of gleaming oh, but white, I loved which it. is dirt. I I'm like, it. that should have been charred. That stuff should have been blackened from the flames. Like, and Palpatine's body, like, I like the way it looked rotted and stuff, but like, I felt like he should have looked more like Darth Ruin or <laughs> Darth Sion or whatever it was from uh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2, where his body's just charcoaled, you know, because he would have been burnt alive twice, once by the force energy that blew out of him as he went down in the chamber and that went up and then the Death Star blowing up a second time. So, I mean, I had those type so, of questions. But the, this is the difference between, this is the difference between you and me, Mark, is that I watched the same thing, but like literally it didn't occur to me. So I like, to me, it's like, oh, this is the, ti this is visually speaking, this was the Titanic wreckage, right? It's what it looked like to me. And I, I just ate it up right. the first time. I didn't even think about, oh, like, yeah, I guess technically there was a pretty big explosion. I, and, and for me in a story, if that doesn't come up in my mind, that sort of suspension of disbelief doesn't come up during that viewing. I kind of like, I give it a pass, but I get what you're saying, right. but right. It, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things that, and I guess since we're talking about Ray, her, the moment she finds out she's a Palpatine, her immediate mission therefore is to find and destroy Palpatine. He's responsible for the death of her parents. She now knows this. Her, her mission is clear and it takes her back to the death star and that is where the ultimate confrontation happens between her and Ben, between her and Kylo Ren. And we're going to talk about the details of, of like Han Solo and the Kylo Ren stuff and more in the next episode. But for Rey, this is where we get that very direct glimpse. We've seen the little force lightning hint. We've seen even in her initial training, she gets kind of frustrated and angry in that, yep. in that initial training. We see a very explicit... Of course, we saw in the trailer too. Dark Ray. Did you buy that? Was uh, Bruce? Did you? Um, did this add some weight to Ray facing her dark side so literally? Mm, it didn't really do anything for me. Mm -hmm. Really? 
when she was fighting against her dark side yeah. self on the Death Star. You know, honestly, after it happened, I just kind of forgot about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I like, felt like that was the warning from the Force itself. Like, if you don't temper your attitude, you know, this could be you. Which was like the whole thing with Chewie. It's like, it just took a little bit. She's so powerful that just a slight slip. And even Luke says it in The Last Jedi. You went straight to the dark. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, I guess it didn't really mean that much to me because they already revealed earlier. She said she saw her future and mm. she was on the throne next to Kylo yeah. Ren. So I was like, okay... She sees a future that she's going to that side. So the fact later she saw a quick vision of herself mm. as like a Sith or dark side or whatever was cool, but it didn't really have any impact on me. Yeah. Except those teeth. I'd rather Daisy Ridley not have teeth like that. <laughs> it's kind it of very sharp. It was kind of sketchy. <laughs> it's like vampire dark ray. Uh, I liked the visual. I like Don't having know. the... I thought it was good that they have the explicit... Because there, there's a lot of implicit stuff in this film. There's a lot, a lot of moments where you sort of have to put two and two together uh, to kind of follow the full plot or connect it to the old films. This is very explicit. It's a very direct visual representation of Ray facing her dark side. And I, I feel like if that weren't the case, um, her struggle and her fight against Kylo Ren here and then the Emperor would be uh, more minimized. So I loved in the confrontation that when, when Kylo... Uh, you know, says, why didn't you take my hand? Uh, she's like, I wanted to take your hand. I wanted to take Ben's hand. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's who she wanted, but she's, and here's the really, uh, guys, this, I ate this up. This is so good. Ray's facing off against Kylo. And in that moment, there's this tragedy. She's not the one who can redeem him. That's not her role. That's not her story. It's not, the girl's job to save the man, to save Kylo Ren. In fact, that becomes his mother and father who pull him back. But for Rey, she has to basically mourn the loss of Ben. She can't change him. She heals him, and I, and that gesture is a part of his journey. But from that point on, it's, it's time to go face the emperor. It's a very Luke kind of moment where she's like, all right, I'm going to hop in the tie fighter and go, I'm going to take on the whole empire by myself. (laughs) All right, Dak. Um, but I really actually appreciated that that was, that they separated that part of, uh, Kylo's redemption. I think it's what makes it a little disjointed when then they suddenly are together at the end and kiss and then he dies. Like, well, like yeah. I don't know about that. But I really did appreciate that confrontation because it was a big it was a big moment for her because she quite literally faces her demons and confronts them before taking off to go confront her grandfather. Hmm. So there's mm-hmm. there's there's all I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um I have I pulled up the Wikipedia. Uh, it's the it was a moon of Endor. It was a separate moon, not the forest moon. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that too. When they said it was a moon of Endor, I thought, yeah. good. I hope it's not the same one. <laughs> right. Because I wanted a different yeah. location. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she also no. like there's also um, Leia's death that she senses too, and I think that's a part of her determination to go face the Emperor. Leia's gone. She knows. And she kind of, but once again, she's kind of by herself. She has, to, she thinks she has to go face the emperor alone. And in fact, that's not the case because when she is face to face with the emperor on Exegol, um, 
and I wanted to get uh, your take on this, Mark. Really, the the penultimate uh, climax of the confrontation is that it's not just her, but the whole Jedi Order is behind mm-hmm. her. That was that was great. I heard Kanan. I heard Ezra. I heard Ahsoka, and you know, in a lot of ways, that reminded me of Stover's novelization for. Uh, the revenge of the Sith mm. because when Yoda and Palpatine fought, that's how it was described. It was the culmination of the dark side that was in Palpatine. He was the essence of darkness and Yoda was all the Jedi that came before him. He was the light. And part of Yoda's defeat was even with all that power, he was not enough to stop Sidious. Mm. And that was part of what, dis- that's, that's part of what broke Yoda. That's why Yoda left. That's why Yoda went into the exile. And when he's like, in exile, I'm, must go that book really you know set that stage um yeah that was that was a great moment for me and, and hearing it like i was a little bummed that we didn't get to see him i was kind of hoping like maybe they'd show up behind her doing the whole putting her hand out like kanan yeah. did and stuff you know giving lending the force in that direction but you still got the same feeling you know you still got that that yeah. moment and stuff and I, that was awesome uh, just as awesome as when ray actually gets leia's lightsaber and when they go into that whole montage of you know leia completed her, her training she had a vision of her son falling to the dark side and that's why she decided not to be a jedi you know and and that's one of those things that, like, I still want to go back and kind of see what more just, I can gleam out Mark. of that because I was so excited that, like, half of my brain wasn't picking up stuff because I was just focused on watching them with their little blasters Mark, down running through the forest. Mark, it's so true. I have to say, it's so true because I literally just went on this eloquent thing about how she goes off to face um, Palpatine herself. That's not the first place she goes. The actual first place she goes um, when confronted with the with the truth of her heritage is back to Act 2. I totally yeah, forgot about that. Right. And yeah. this is I need to see this movie again because I, I you, that's an important piece of that puzzle because that's where she literally whoosh, Right. She like, gave up just like Luke did. Yeah, I mean yep. that's really what you're seeing. I did here like is, that too. This is Ray's journey, and now we see what a parallel to what Luke's journey would have been that we didn't see. Mm, he yep. even said, you know, it was because of fear. And yep. I mean you you know, whether you like how that was portrayed in The Last Jedi or not. This is what tells you, you know, Jedi aren't perfect and they yep. do fear. And because they care so much, <laughs> they're almost like Star Wars fans. We care so much. I don't even know <laughs> if I want to see the film. I'll go into right. hiding. You right. know, it's like that because they, they're they afraid that they could just make it worse. If she goes and fa- faces Palpatine, she could actually make this worse. She could fail mm. and she could give him even more power. And maybe even that's how Luke was feeling. Maybe, you know, I mean, there's a whole nother subject there is just. Yep. What did Luke know? Yeah. Did Luke yep. even yeah. know back when we saw him in the second of this trilogy that he knew about Palpatine and what was behind all mm. of this? Yeah, it was great because Ray's like, you were right. And Luke's like, no, I was wrong. You were right. And, yeah, right. and, and have he that learned his more. lesson. Well, uh, and I think but I did have one small issue on the Octo planet was, you know, when they use Luke's X-Wing wing for his door and then she lifts it up and suddenly it's got all the wings because I looked, people are like, oh, she fixed it. B.S. She pulled that thing out and all four S-foils were on it. I'm like, ah. Force magic. Force magic. <laughs> just just force magic, man. No, it's, um, I, I do think that that is a fulfillment, too, of Luke's journey. That, to me, was very in continuity a lot of people are pointing that scene as like and this is how he fixed the last jedi no this is how luke learned his lesson this is how luke passed on failure as as yoda said i love that scene where yoda says um you know uh, all of the important things that you teach as a master as a jedi master but but also failure um the greatest of these 
uh, lessons as failure. And that is Luke ultimately saying, and I was wrong. Although the po- the moment where he's like, that's no way to treat the weapon of a Jedi. I was like, oh, okay, all right. I right, right. <laughs> now, now, when Leia died, you know, I, I mentioned when Chewie drops to the ground, I was openly sobbing. Like, yeah, that one, that's that rough. crushed me. But another moment that follows on the heels of that, that, you know, it, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to pick up on unless you've been reading certain books and comics is when Poe shows up mm. and finds out that Leia passed away. Uh, in Resistance Reborn, he didn't want to leave her side. He felt very devoted to her and he felt like it was his job protect her and to make sure that she was always there so when poe comes back and she died while he was gone i felt for poe i mean and you could see oscar isaac's face in that moment like he did a really good job of being in character for that and i don't know if that's just his just general acting or if somebody said you know hey this is the relationship you have with leia because i i saw what looked like disappointment in himself for not being there for her when that happened and that got to me i was just like oh man poor poe yeah. yeah, I feel like the previous movies also contributed to the relationship with Poe and Leia. I mean, that very first scene in the uh, Force Awakens, mm. you know, he says, you know, she'll always be a princess. You know? Yeah, she'll always, that is that is beautiful, and I do love the way that Ray is even connected to um, Leia's training and and Leia's vision for her son. In the same way that Palpatine foresaw, they, we find out he foresaw Ray as a threat to him. Um, uh, Leia also foresaw the coming of Rey, um, you know, in 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 her own way in her Jedi training. So I I just love the way that whole story plays out with the culmination of quite literally the Jedi Order coming to save the day, and and we see this fulfillment of what she's attempting to when she trains and can't succeed. Which, by the way, yes, Rey is a fairly overpowered Jedi, and yes, we don't get to see a lot of the training behind that. But I think it's important to recognize that. Her failure, her struggle in the training sequence at the beginning of the movie, uh, be with me. Oh, they're not with me. It's kind of a punchline at the beginning. But by right. the end, when she calls be with me, we we journey to the stars, to the beyond, where the Jedi who came before uh, indeed are with her. And I just like, when I hear Ewan McGregor, freaking uh, Liam Neeson, uh, and then finally, especially the second time I watched it, Luke Skywalker's voice... I just got actual, actual chills. So I I just love Ray's journey in this movie. I, I just love the way it plays out. It's it's one of the strongest elements of the film. So before we wrap up, I got a quick question for you guys. Do you guys think that the law that was passed about the Sith language and the droids being able to translate it, oh. do you think that was a law that was passed back when the Sith were much more known, much more recognized as an evil in the old, old Republic, or do you think that was something that Palpatine did when he took control and made the Emperor to help hide what he was doing? Where do you guys sit on that? Oh, gosh, I hadn't even thought of this, but as you're asking the question, I'm thinking, well, who created C-3PO but Anakin himself? So Mm. uh, why would that programming be in C-3PO to begin with, if any droid? Uh, Well, see, I I thought it was an all-droid thing. I thought that was all droids couldn't do it. It Yeah. But again, I got to watch it again. There's so much that happened. Yeah. Maybe, but yeah, maybe because, you know, people who are programming these droids... Maybe they could read Sith, something bad happened, and then they put a block on it. Yeah. It's almost like a virus. Yeah. You know? It's like it's ancient a, Greek. You don't yeah. read it because you conjure up demons in your, in your living room. Yeah. It's McAfee for Sith. You know, it prevents the <laughs> virus from. There, there's bad language in the Sith. People don't want to learn the ways of the Sith. You know, that's dangerous. So you block a droid from reading anything that's Sith. <laughs> 
My gosh, my gosh. Uh, hey, Bruce, uh, take us out. Oh. I, you're you're sort of uh, wrap us up on your thoughts on on Ray's overall journey uh, throughout the rise of Skywalker. Uh, yeah. I mean, I liked it. I, I'm a I'm a fan of Ray, so I'm glad the movie focused mostly on Ray on mm-hmm. this one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I like the whole idea that she's a Palpatine. Well, I, I mean, I'd be fine if she was a nobody too. But I always felt like Palpatine was or. Palpatine or Vader was behind Rey in some manner. You know, I had predictions that maybe she was a clone that mm. came from a lab of Vader's or Palpatine's. So the fact that it was revealed that she is a descendant of Palpatine really worked for me because I felt like, as I said, those that he or somebody like him would be behind her in well, her creation. Well, um, well and let but, me ask you, and yeah. in the end, though, as much as she is a Palpatine, that's the big reveal. She takes on the moniker. She takes on the name, her surname, as as Skywalker. Yes, which means but even though she does Skywalker. the end, the end of the day, you could still say Palpatine lives. <laughs> well, okay, and real quick, just yeah, to yeah. throw this out here, this went through my mind too. She it, maybe she already, in a sense, is related to Skywalker because Anakin was created by the Metachlorians it's assumed that Palpatine had something to do with that. So I always felt that, in a sense, Palpatine did father Anakin using the Metachlorians. Mm. I've seen a lot of that theory myself, yep. <laughs> so there's a parallel line between the Palpatines and the Skywalkers. In a sense, they're all kind of related, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So, you know, Leia could be her her, her aunt or Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I did love the nod that they gave her there at the end when she goes back to Tatooine. I didn't like that she buried their lightsaber side by side, but I do understand the significance of it, laying what's left of them to rest. I like that Leia's body held out for when Ben disappeared in the force. That was like Amara Jade in, in Legends when she waited mm. long enough for them to find out how she died, and then whoop, then she disappeared. Then the the spot people were saying it is the same spot that uh, Shmi was buried. So I think, you know, that's kind of cool to put it in the, the burial grounds. Oh, cool. But when she ignited her lightsaber, I was like, I called it. That was that same <laughs> yes. end of her staff. They call it a power conduit. And I was like, well, that's a lightsaber emitter, clearly. And I noticed that the first time at Anaheim. But maybe a lot of Jedis use power conduits for their lightsabers. I mean, that makes sense, too. Yeah, yeah. I thought I noticed that. And I thought of you when I saw that. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah, I just saw the know, way it opened up. I was like, whoa, I know. I like how she kind of twists it, like, you know, turns it on like that. But, you know, the one thing I'll say, which I I guess it's kind of a criticism, but I mean, I like it, but I like Ray's journey. But it's just a different story that they could have told of Luke's journey. You know, mm. Luke had his journey and this is similar in a sense, but yeah. told differently. We do. It, we almost sort of see Luke's journey, like Ray giving up for that moment, um, is is almost a picture of what it would have been like for Luke. But we just never see that. Um, we don't have time to see that. Uh, sadly, I, I I really do look forward to how a lot of the gaps are filled in and and some of the extraneous material. But as far as Ray's, Ray's journey in this film, I just love that in the end she is a Skywalker and that really makes the, you know, the title makes sense. The rise of Skywalker. It's the redemption of one Skywalker, Ben, and it's the rise of someone who chooses, who chose to follow Luke's true destiny. Like Luke, the brother who embraced his failure and then eventual true destiny. I love that we got to see that in Luke 
and then see that embraced by Ray by the end of the film. That's probably, I thought, the most poetic element to the whole thing. And it goes into that little girl that asked her, what's your last name? And she's like, I don't have a last name. I don't have a family. So for her to take that and then have Luke and Leia show up and kind of give that blessing, like, mm. you know, if our if our son slash nephew would have survived, you'd have been a Skywalker anyway, girl. Like, yeah, you claim that name. Yeah, yeah. You go, girl. <laughs> that's, the, that's the end. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up uh, this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. Boy, we've got a lot more to talk about, though. We're going to be back in the coming weeks talking about Ben and redemption and the original characters, the Skywalker saga element of this film. So we got a lot to talk about there. Um, but, hey, in the meantime, stay in touch with us. Uh, StarWarsReport at gmail.com. Get your emails in. We're going to be doing a whole feedback shows in the coming very near future. So get those emails in. And uh, support us on Patreon. Get our exclusive rogue transmissions, like Mark's hot off the presses uh, first first reaction. Uh, that's uh, this week. That's this week's rogue transmissions available at Patreon.com slash StarWarsReport. Follow the show at Star Wars Report on Twitter and, of course, Facebook.com slash Star Wars Report. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do it on whatever your preferred podcasting platform is. Mr. Mark Hurlman, where can people find you on the Internet? Illogical Rogue 2. That's me out there on the interwebs. And, of course, you can see me uh, on Facebook. I'm there a lot. I do post some stuff on Instagram, but definitely Facebook's where I'm sharing a lot of my stuff. Nice, nice. And then uh, you, Mr. Bruce Gibson. Yeah, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Admiral underscore Rex and on Instagram at just Admiral Rex because some dude took my name. That's a whole nother story. Uh, Yeah. And I do other podcasts like on Trek FM. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have links to all that. Of course, you can find me on Twitter and, of course, my favorite place, Instagram. It's just at The Riley Guy. Until next time, everyone, may the force be with you. And remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. But not the one at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Exactly, yeah, he's around. show folks That's- i'm looking for this bothan i was hoping somebody had a picture yeah <laughs> it's a snack i mean it's a rat it's a rich <clears throat> it's a something that's what it is uh how you guys feeling shall we talk a little bit about uh ben solo oh <laughs> uh, some redemption there's some red hashed what is the what's the thing all right let's let's uh let's we're going for the no, it's, it's ren ben uh-huh. yeah